following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to our review of Terminator 2 Electric Boogaloo. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Mike. How you doing, sir? I wish it was Electric Boogaloo. Oh, man, <laughs> that would be fantastic. I am well, thank you. A little tired, <laughs> but I am well. I am well. How was, how was the move? How did everything go? Good. Um, we're in here roughly a week now, and um, we have many more weeks of unboxing to go um but we've got the essentials where they need to be and (laughs) actually just before um i came in here to record this i had the solo stove going out back and uh nice yeah mike has been trying to get me into the solo stove thing for a while and i kept promising when i got my first house that i would buy into that and i did so i've I've had a couple of goals uh, in this pandemic when it comes to you the goal (laughs) goal one was a get you to an iphone I got you to an iPhone and an Apple Watch without even trying, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then B was the solo stove, and and I succeeded in both, so I'm very proud of myself for that. Very nice. <laughs> well, I've got a nice uh, Ron Swanson smoky smell to me now, so all is well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So uh, we're here to, to review Terminator 2, big blockbuster hit of 1991. Um, I was super happy to rewatch this. Um, did so the other night. Um, it sounded like you were maybe a multi-part watch. Is that? Uh- <laughs> I was a multi-part watch. I have to say, I, though I really, really love it. I love this movie. It didn't have as much rewatchability as I thought it might have had. Maybe I've really? seen it too many times that I was just like, it's fun. I remember like. I remembered things that were going to happen before they happened kind of thing, you know? I don't know if I fell into the whole non-rewatchability track because I was definitely enjoying it. But the funny thing for me is I also like paused it once or twice to be like, wow, this is a long movie. You know, like it is long than I remembered. Um, And again, like I'm somebody who usually likes long movies, so don't get me wrong. But um, it's it's, just I was a little surprised that like, you know, it doesn't feel long necessarily but at the same time i was like wow this has still got a lot of movie left there's there's one chunk of the movie does feel long we'll get there when we talk about it um the one thing that i really thought was very surprising about this movie for the amount of effects that are in this movie you'd think the movie might have been a little bit shorter because they sunk so much money into it but they just 
they went all in. Like <laughs> James Cameron must have said, "Give me all the dollars, I'll make you all the dollars back." And then yeah, some. I mean, he's definitely of like the newer age set of auteur directors who kind of, I think, you know, gets away with whatever he wants to get away with. And yeah. I think even back then, um, that was the case. So um, I guess I'm not surprised by that. Um, so Look at you um, using the word auteur. You. Yes, yeah, I remember a few things from film school. Yeah. <laughs> the mise en the mise en scène of the film. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so to clear a few things up, because the movie, you know, last time when I was trying to do the recall, I couldn't quite remember how it started off. So I, I got the exact date. So this was in Los Angeles, twenty twenty nine A.D. That's the start. Of of so, Terminator Two. So in eight years from now, we're all going to be vaporized by a like giant nuclear computer, basically. Ooh. Well, no, that's just like where the war is, right? Like we should have technically been vaporized. Remember August 29th, nineteen ninety seven. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was that was when all the bombs went off. But uh, it's, you know, it starts off, and I had forgotten that she was. I remembered it at the end of the movie, but I forgot that she does it kind of throughout the movie. That um, Sarah Connor is sort of narrating a little bit of, of yeah. what's going on for us. So, um, you know, it's taking place out of her time, but it's, it's sort of showing this war between the Terminators and the humans and um, the period of time where John Connor is going to send the Terminator seemingly, I guess, back to protect himself because we don't really see him necessarily give that order, but it shows the future John Connor. Speaking um, of the future John Connor, they couldn't have cast more of an unknown person than that guy. <laughs> I still, to this day, I have no idea who that guy is. I mean, he had like four and a half seconds of screen time, so I guess it wasn't like the biggest deal, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they have more interesting John Connors in some of the other movies down the road. Um, you could call them they... interesting, sure, yeah. Yeah, well, that's me being kind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they mentioned Judgment Day killed 3 billion people, um, which I thought was interesting. Because I think, you know, like right now, I think we're supposed to be something like 7 billion people on the planet. So, And like, I, would, I would assume in 97, we're probably close to 6, maybe a little bit yeah, below a little, 6. Yeah, a little, little less. So, yeah, so I, about half of people mm. are killed by Judgment Day. And then the Terminators apparently are spending quite a long time trying to wipe out the rest. Yeah, they have, yeah. 97 all the way to 2029, you know, that's 22 years later. Like, uh, wow, they're, they're, you know, not getting those, the job done. <laughs> those computers are not as smart as they thought they were. Yeah, they are not as um, efficient as uh, the uh, likewise robot killers in uh, like the Matrix or something, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, again, this was just like a really cool opening scene. Like I, I had kind of forgotten some of the, you know, I remembered that sort of opening shot of like the Terminator crushing the skull, but like, I forgot, you know, I, I remember the flying ships and they had like a cool look to them. I forgot yeah. about those giant, like on track, like yes. track sort of Terminators that like almost, um, vaguely remind me of like the, the thing from like RoboCop, like, <laughs> you know, like that big yeah. two legged guy. That was pretty cool. So it was a pretty epic battle going on. Um, you know what I noticed about all futuristic wars? It's never bullets. It's always lasers. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I don't know what those things were because they're not necessarily like laser beams. It was like, yeah, like, I don't know what those were supposed to be, but they were pretty cool. Um, 
So it, it eventually moves into the credits. And I thought the credits was really fun and haunting. It is haunting. Um, for this, like where everything's just kind of burning. And in particular, they're showing a lot of like children's Play playground sort of equipment, which is like, it's really got like kind of a, oh, that's freaky sort of thing. Like the swings are swinging back and forth and they're on fire. And like the little, I always have this argument with people. Is it a merry-go-round, not a Ferris wheel? What's the thing that spins round and round in the playground? Uh, there's the teeter-totter. There's the seesaw. Yeah, but the thing that goes in a circle, you know what I mean? I I, I, I used to I talk know. about this a lot in my um, photography class because I had an image a carousel? I showed. I guess it's a carousel. I mean, like, you know, like I think of a carousel as the thing with like the horses. horses yes. <laughs> so if anybody knows what that thing that goes round and round and throws you off if you're not sitting in the middle is. And makes you puke. Like <laughs> you know, social media. You've always had that one friend that's like, dude, you lay down. I'll run around it as fast as I can until <laughs> yeah. you puke your brains out. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Sounds great. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> So one of the funny things um, I noticed that popped up in the credits, and I, I guess I'm not at all surprised, is that um, I saw Stan Winston's name pop up. Um, and for those unfamiliar, Stan Winston is a huge um, special effects, lots of um, like just physical effects sort of stuff, does yeah. like a lot of design work. He did this. He did a lot of work with the dinosaurs in um, Jurassic Park, which we'll be getting to in short order. Um, and he's got the Stan Winston School of Visual Effects, which if you ever get a chance to follow them on Facebook, they're always posting really neat stuff on there. Um, so I, I guess I didn't know, but it's it's not at all like shocking to find out that that he was the one behind a lot of the you know face um, and like the um, the Terminator sort of animatronics and things mm -hmm. like that. So pretty cool. I also was wondering about that carousel that like playground scene. I wonder if they did that in miniatures and just set it all on fire that way. <laughs> We're still back on that one. It's like, damn that carousel. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think this stuff all looks normal sized. They might've just gone and gotten some playground equipment and set it alight at nighttime or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Gasoline. I don't know. I mean, like, have you ever seen like behind the scenes of like hunt for Red October or any of those type of like submarine movies, they show it's all miniatures done in a big tank. So who knows? You I know, never but it's know. like a submarine. Like, I mean, like there's a difference between like, I'm going to portray this like 200 foot long ship that's under the water versus like some playground equipment. They might've just found a school that didn't need their stuff anymore. <laughs> Knock on the door to the school. Hello, school. Hi. Yeah. Yes. We, we want to set, a monster <laughs> inferno on your playground. Yeah, sure. How much are you going to pass? Oh, cool. Go right ahead. The children won't be traumatized for the rest of their I lives. This is going to be the sticking point for us for this movie. <laughs> is the burning children's playground furniture in the beginning miniature or real life size? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> So anyway, we get rolling into the movie here. And one of the first things that I felt like I had to mention, because like you said already, this is very visual effects heavy. Yes, 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 Michael. He's raising his hand. I got to point out. <laughs> After you answer this question or ask this question, I know how to answer it. Okay. Okay. I don't, I, okay. Okay. So we'll get to it. Yeah. Sorry. So like, what I was going to say is that um, the Terminator teleportation effect. Yes. I felt like I remember this being a lot better when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I 
feel like that doesn't a hundred percent stand up. Um, you know, it's got like a, just a bunch of like, kind of like lightning bolts popping around, but they're not particularly good lightning bolts. No, like, they were looking. And then it's got like, basically like not even like a sphere. Like you just kind of get like this, like silvery circle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, then he pops in and then in fairness after that, like the effect where it had like the side of the tractor trailer and the ground, like a spherical cutout. Yeah. That was really cool. Like I was really like, that's neat. But like, I don't know. That one didn't hold up for me. Like the shape of the sphere, like the teleportation in, like it just didn't look very good. It didn't now. look very good. The lightning between the tractor trailers didn't look that great. It was just kind of like, felt like this is stuff that I could easily do in like a half an hour in like after effects. Yes. But remember this is probably edited in 1990 no, and, and I get it. You know what I mean? Like, so like they're definitely still working on this technology and stuff then, but like compare that to like a lot of the liquid metal effects that happen throughout the rest of this movie. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, there's like this weird gap between the stuff that's really good and like the stuff that's not. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a few I'll point out throughout that I felt like we're just not necessarily standing the test of time. Um. So here's my question that I think you're, you're, really hoping to answer. My question is, why is the Terminator naked? And the reason before you answered that I was wondering about this is if you can teleport um, back in time, both organic and inorganic matter, the metal endoskeleton of the, of the Terminator, plus his living organic skin, like, why wouldn't he be able to come back with clothes? Is this just supposed to be like a cool visual, weird little thing? Is there a canon reason for this? Do you have... The answer? <laughs> so, yes, there's been kind of like two different ways it's been answered. In the first Terminator movie, Kyle Reese kind of explains that it's something like, you know, the reason why the Terminators have skin is so that the inorganic parts of their body can transfer, but clothes can't transfer. That's why humans can be teleported as well. Funny enough, if you've ever watched the Sarah Connor Chronicles that was on Fox for one season or two seasons, they actually dive into it significantly deeper and explain what it is. They can't bring weapons with them and why they have to be naked or like when they go wherever they arrive, their clothes kind of get vaporized in the timeline. They could go through with clothes on, but they'll come out with no clothes on. I mean, like, does it seem like that doesn't 100% make sense? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, but, you know, suspend your disbelief and, you know, in this universe, it doesn't work. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just made me itchy. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah. So I just remember that that biker being thrown into the hot stove really freaked me out as a kid during the fight. Yeah. Scene. You know, oh, he, man. He, he goes through the bar. He's identifying who kind of is like the right size of him. He gets into a big brawl, tosses this guy onto the stove. The guy's like burning. And like, I remember, um, seeing that as like maybe a 10 mm, year old kid, mm-hmm. maybe 11 or so. The first time I think I saw this movie. Um, it wasn't right when it came out. I saw this on VHS a few years in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it still is like real cringy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You've seen other stuff where people get thrown into like a hot surface or whatever, but like, oh, that one felt very real and very, it was pretty gruesome. Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was brutal. Um, it was really tough to watch. And the funny thing about that whole scene, every guy in that bar, nobody 
would have been the same size as Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Nobody. He, this was like close enough for jazz, if you will. You know, it was there like, <laughs> come on, no way. So, so I had a a little hiccup thing with this. I, I'm curious if you feel the same way. They start to, I mean, they have a lot of really cool score in this movie, mm-hmm. but they start to play bad to the bone during a either I don't remember if it's the entire fight scene or at least like when he's leaving the bar when he's leaving to the me, bar it felt like it really cheapened the moment it felt really silly to me like yeah. you know like how do you feel about this yeah I think it's because like he's trying to be the good guy and they're trying to make him seem like the nicer of the two terminators but no and I get that but like bad to the bone i mean like i don't know this is like one of these songs and maybe it's just because it doesn't hold up like through the test of time where it's like like that um like the bad boys like cops theme song and things where it's like well when they just feel hokey you know in the grand scheme of things here's the question though hold on because in the movie twins schwarzenegger rips through his shirt they go to like a convenience store and he buys a shirt and it says bad to the bone. They play the song then too. I wonder I think Twins I mean it's a song that's in a ton of nineties movies, but I feel like like even we were talking about child problem. I'm pretty sure it's in child problem, you know. Problem uh, child. Huh? Problem child. Child problem. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and I were talking, we're both shot. Yes. <laughs> problem child. But um it yeah, it just I don't know. It, like, I, it almost feels like more at home in like a goofier sort of setting like that. Like a movie like this that's more serious. Yeah. You just have this like total knockdown drag out fight. I don't know. It just feels kind of hokey to me. No, um, I agree. I forgot that he had gotten the shotgun and the glasses off that last guy that's like comes out at the bar and he's like, you can't take that man's motorcycle. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's even thinking. <laughs> he just tore everybody a new one in that bar. Yeah. I think I'd just like forget it and, and call it a day, but he steals his shotgun and his glasses, finishes his motif. Um, and uh, one of the other things that was like a missing piece, I think when I was trying to do the recall that kind of fell into place with me as I'm starting to watch at the beginning here is that John Connor was living with a foster family. I yeah. kind of forgot. And it kind of stands to reason because we had talked about that Sarah Connor's like in a mental hospital, but I think I thought he was with some family or something. I couldn't quite remember. Um, and the, the, like immediately, I started remembering that like this foster family was just awful. <laughs> like yeah. they're all just terrible people, and like not a great situation, and whatever. Um, Funny but, thought about that though. So when we first really get there, right? They say John Connor, and it makes sense. They say he's ten years old because the first one took place in eighty four. This was supposed to be ninety four. Edward Furlong is not 10 years old in this movie. Not by yeah, a long It's a really job. good point that you make. Yeah, no, he's definitely at least like 15, 16 I, feeling, you know, yeah. like he doesn't, he doesn't even remotely seem like a 10 year old. Yeah. Like I'd say may, maybe he's 13, 14 at the time of the movie, but there's no way he's 10. Not a chance. Yeah. No, and I that definitely, really, that really annoyed me. Um, and, you know, yes, the the family is kind of awful. I mean, I don't know if they're awful. They don't really get a lot of screen time to legitimately make them seem awful because the kid comes off awful from the get. Yeah, no, he's he's a jerk, too. But it's just funny, like when they in a few scenes start showing everybody at the house and like all this sort of thing, like my initial reaction was like everybody at the house is like just a dick. And then yeah. like later on in the movie, like he basically says 
exactly that. Like he's just like, ah, they're all dicks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I wrote duck in my notes. I thought that was pretty funny. I left it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> um so at any rate, um, we get the introduction of the T-1000 and the T-1000 is just like, is just such a great character. He's so imposing. Yeah. Um, and it's really like largely on the portrayal by Robert Patrick. Um, like he just really, really does an awesome job in this role. He goes from some moments of just pure menace and just frighteningness to where like he'll be like super charming and like talking with people and it's like it's an interesting thing because not only is like the t-1000 like a like physical evolution of what the terminators can be but he's kind of like a smarter ai or whatever you want to call that of like how to really infiltrate and and act with people you know so it's just it's really cool um one fun note um about this with um like robert patrick being cast in this role was that um james cameron actually wanted billy idol for this role what Uh, but billy idol had been recently in an accident which nearly cost him his leg so he was not physically up to doing it um so he ended up with robert patrick who um funny enough you know i i was thinking to myself as i was watching this you and i were just talking about robert patrick a year ago in die hard um you know so <laughs> wow that's, that's kind of like where he's got like his his career kick starting and i read a note somewhere that like cameron saw him in that and liked him and like um thought he was very cat-like and so it's kind of one of the reasons that he sort of was like in on him for this role so he his career was kind of taking off at this point and then obviously really bloomed with this film so really interesting yeah, pretty cool i didn't know that that's interesting. yes <laughs> pretty cool yeah um, so we, um, cut over to the, uh, mental hospital where Sarah Connor is holed up. Um, my initial reaction was, holy cow, is she jacked? She's doing like some serious, um, pull-ups like on her upturned bed. And, um, we get kind of like the same trope that we keep running into with Silence of the Lambs and everything else. These kind of like terrible physicians that are <laughs> you know going to, you know, get what they deserve at the hands of our, um, you know, um, main characters yeah. here. So and another interesting fact is they mentioned that Sarah Connor is 29 years old in this movie, which would make her 19 in the first one, which I thought was odd because she was like at clubs and bars and whatever. I thought she was like at least 21 in the first one. So how could she be 29? And again, does I not mean, look 29. Year olds can go to clubs. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, but. It, Drinking age, she's 20, 10. <laughs> but the but the drinking age was twenty one. I guess you know whatever it was late different. Maybe and, maybe she was a miniature. May, maybe I don't know. But <laughs> but, but, but even but even still, like she didn't look twenty nine years old. She looked in her thirties in this movie for sure. Yes. <laughs> um. So what's interesting at this point is the T one thousand shows up at um, John Connor's Foster's parents' place. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned that um, Arnold's Terminator had basically been there looking for him in the morning, but it happened totally off screen. Yeah. Uh, because we basically sort of see Arnold show up and then like we kind of don't see him for a bit. Oh, wow. He's yeah, just kind of was. patrolling the neighborhood on his motorcycle. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of an interesting way to do that by sort of just mentioning, oh, the other guy was here earlier or whatever. Um, which I, Which is also kind of funny because like if you think about that, he's just like, 
in like biker leathers <laughs> with sunglasses. Like, I don't know why they would have answered any questions to him. Yeah. At best, he looks like a bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a little um, foreshadowing with John Connor, who um, apparently not only is going to show several hints that he's getting ready to be a, an important leader throughout this movie, but apparently he's also got like the 90 hackers moves. Cause he's oh, got yeah. like some little like hacking device that he puts into an ATM and, Pickety clackety <laughs> gets his uh, money out of the ATM, you know, um, which is going to come back later in the film. Um, in my mind, a little bit pointlessly, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, of note, John's friend, who we see in the beginning and then never see ever again, has one extreme ginger mullet. <laughs> like, yeah, some epic hair. <laughs> Do you know what he was from, though? No. Although you know- he looks quasi familiar. Wasn't he the guy from Salute Your Shorts? Maybe. Yes. God, he does seem like, you know, it's so funny as I was, uh, I started and I didn't finish, which is why I didn't mention it in our um, new and new to you thing. I was starting to watch that Nickelodeon documentary that came out recently. And um, now that I'm trying to like rack my brain because it was showing some of those people. Danny Cooksey, he was on Salute Your Shorts and he was on Different Strokes. All right, good pull. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Not dead. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm happy that we didn't kill him off preemptively. <laughs> so But I'd share that with you. <laughs> Excellent. So um, back at the mental institution in a interesting bit of psychological whatever, um, they're showing Sarah a videotape of her previously recorded um, talking about her dreams and the story of Judgment Day and like what's coming, um, and I thought this would make like a really cool monologue or something, you know, for somebody trying out for a role. It's like really um, haunting, and it, it really goes to show what a good actress that she is because it's like I think she has several points in this movie where like that really hammers home. But it was just like a really cool um, sort of juxtaposition of like her on this recorded thing with the screen and then her in like real life trying to, you know, be like, Oh, I wish I hadn't said all this because basically she's trying to get transferred to a minimum security um, institution so that John could come and visit. She can see John again and everything. Speaking of the the terminology of juxtaposition, right? This, (laughs) yes, this Sarah Connor is drastically evolved from the Sarah Connor we see in the first movie, who's very naive, doesn't know any better. She's, you know, the damsel in distress. Whereas this movie, she's full on, you know, mercenary, if you will, you know. Tough yeah. Guy. And I would even say like in, uh, what is it? Dark fate, the new one, whatever yeah. it is. Um, it, it's even like a third. Yeah you know, after like the loss of John and she's sort of just like gone off the deep end and, you know, it's just like, you know, she's, she's what we see later in the movie when she like puts on that cap and goes and tries to kill Miles Dyson. Yeah. Like in full form. So, you know, just kind of an interesting arc to the character. Yeah. All right. So we cut over to Cyberdyne and we meet Dyson and this is earlier than I recalled um, any of his involvement. in. This oh, yeah. I, did, I, I didn't know he was on this early. I, I was like, wow, wow, he's here. Right. Yeah. Here. It's basically because there's sort of a mention of um, like uh, the Terminator arm and chip or something like yeah. that when she's talking to the psychologist. So it just 
it basically serves to introduce us to his character, um, who we'll come back to later in the film and to show that they do in fact still have like the Terminator arm and all that. Yeah. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, at this point in time, we see Miles has to like get into this very specific vault. You have to do like the two keys opening at the same time. And I start noticing that there's a lot of blue in this movie. Lots of very, very blue color cast, blue yeah. lighting, blue color correction. Kind of an interesting choice. What is your read on that? I think it's trying to set up the world. Uh, the environment is, you know, there, there, there's a lot of blue color palette. I'm actually playing it as we're talking as well. So we're just kind of like refreshing my memory. But like there is a lot of blue hues to it, you know. I mean, Cyberdyne, you can almost see that because blue can kind of have this like technological look to it. But there's a lot of other portions of this movie where it's just like that scene is blue. Like even when she's escaping the penitentiary later, like very blue. But I wanted to show you what I have here. Where did you get that? (laughs) Can you describe for the viewers what I'm holding up? That is a keychain of the Terminator brain chip. Yes, so I have the chip, and it's not good that I have it because now um, Judgment Day can still happen. I need to actually melt this. (laughs) I had gotten this, and I dug it out right before we started recording tonight. This was in a loot crate I got, like, years ago. Wow. To the point where it's actually, it's the keychain, but it's still actually on its little cardboard backing and everything. I've got this as well. Whoa, a head, like a Terminator <laughs> head. Yeah, half-scale Terminator head. Um, these were um, like a thing when Genesis um, was out. If this tells you when the loot crate was roughly in the era of, although I think it actually it must have been stuff they had left over because I think it was post-Genesis coming out. Is loot um, crate even still a thing? Um, probably. I haven't subscribed to it in years. Yeah, me neither. But I was thinking about giving this away to one of our lucky listeners. Ooh, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, so um, I, I was thinking that maybe, in, and we'll discuss this, um, how you want to do it, but I was thinking about maybe doing a little social media giveaway for the brain chip keychain um, for anybody. All these good um, voters came out and voted for T2, so there might be some fans out there that might be interested in having that keychain. So Ooh, that sounds like a good giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Pay attention for our social medias. Um, I might either announce it on there or um, in the next episode, um, but I think we'll do a little bit of a Terminator giveaway for a thank you for our, for our fans. I like it. I, yes. I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> so um, back with Sarah Connor, I was thinking to myself, man, she really needs her bangs cut. <laughs> yes. Right. It's not the same thing. Now, like, given that she's been in this, like, institution and maybe they're not keeping up with hygiene 100% or whatever in there, but, like, she just seemed like they were, like, really in her eyes the whole <laughs> the whole movie. Um, but interesting look, I guess. I also um, wonder if they probably were trying to play that off as a, as a thing, like, there's probably a deleted scene somewhere where she's, like, getting a haircut and she, like, murders the person cutting her hair with a scissors. <laughs> so they're like, well, we can't cut this girl's hair. Yes. <laughs> You're probably not too far off. Um, So the T-1000 is tracking down John and he finds out that he has gone to the Galleria Mall and specifically he's in the Galleria Mall arcade. You know, we get the the whole um, scene where uh, they're really coming down and and chasing John in the hall and 
Um, Arnie's Terminator comes out and he's he drops the the roses and he's got the shotgun and, and the T one thousand comes around the corner. And great fight scene between the two of them. Um, and I love there's a moment there's like a beat where like the T one thousand stops to look at a mannequin that's like a silvery. Yeah. Mannequin. <laughs> and he kind of gives him a dirty look. I thought that was like a really fun little um just stupid thing that they threw in there. So I don't know if they just happened to have that at this mall they were filming at and somebody's like, this would be great. Or uh, if somebody specifically brought that in, but that was a great little um moment. Um it is pretty so funny. Speaking about how Billy Idol was not physically up to this role, holy cow. The T one thousand and I guess by proxy, Robert Patrick is an epic runner. <laughs> Dude. He does so much running. Like, it is Tom Cruise level running in this movie. Yeah, he's got some serious, and he does it several times, but like, yeah. man, he's a serious hardcore runner at different points, like chasing him after on the uh, uh, dirt bike and things like that. Um, and not so- only that, he runs like so well while acting as well. Like, he's got this stone faced Terminator yes. face as yes. he's running. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> not even breathing hard yeah. <laughs> um, so we get like this awesome unforgettable chase that if anybody's ever seen this movie it's definitely one of the things that you you cannot forget where yeah. um, John is on his dirt bike and uh, the T-1000 commandeers a um, like Mack truck sort of truck and yeah. is chasing after him and <laughs> I, you know, like he has this funny thing that he does throughout the movie several times, the T-1000, where he's like, get out, <laughs> you know, and he's like, he doesn't even necessarily kill the person. He just like throws them out or makes them get right. out of like the vehicle they're in. And like, holy cow, that stunt of that truck driver having to like get tossed from that moving vehicle and do that role. I had seen something and I, I've brought them up a few times, but um, that corridor crew does a um, stuntmen react um, thing every so often. And they had had somebody talking about that. Um, grow and roll from that and like man that is a rough jump and and roll on like a paved street you know no pads sort of thing um hard to watch (laughs) um and speaking of stunts i felt like there was no way that that truck makes that jump off that overpass and as a matter of fact i think they must have had a couple of these trucks as they usually do when they're doing these sort of stunt scenes but I want to kind of go back and maybe you can actually see because you said you're kind of like viewing wa- it along as we're going. I'm watching it as we're talking about it right so now. Maybe it's you like- can slowly scroll through that jump. The truck comes down and lands pretty face first hard on the ground. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure like a whole section tears off of it that then in the very next edit is back on the truck for it to be moving yeah. forward and chasing him. I don't know if you can see that or not as you're as you're kind of watching through or like scrolling right through that. there here we go yeah it's like he literally comes down off that thing and it looks like the the tractor trailer sort of jackknifes and like the 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 axle kind of bends up a little bit and then yeah i just feel like i remember like the front right of the truck essentially shearing off and then the next shot it's kind of like back again yeah so, you know you have to do what you have to do on yeah. those things, oh yeah but... totally the whole front end is like all the looks like the tires blew out and it's yeah. just yeah no way no way and this and and he, he fully he regains a few control. times where he like picks up like a weapon of choice mac truck throughout this movie including like the liquid nitrogen truck later in the film that like man those trucks survive way more punishment than, than they really should be able to yeah 
There's a, there's a fun uh, fact about that scene later on in the movie, which I'll tell you about. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll grab that when we get there. Um, I, you know, Ange gets, gives me grief when we jump too far <laughs> and go, we'll get to that. Um, so the, the other funny thing, again, speaking about stunts in this portion of the movie, is that Arnie then catches up on his um, hog and... It is clearly not Arnold Schwarzenegger on the motorcycle in several of these shots. Oh, yeah. Like anything where he's driving on the ground, which if you see behind the scenes stuff, you know, they've basically got like a motorcycle that's on like a fake platform that they're driving around. But like yeah. any of the things where you can see the entirety of the motorcycle. It's not it's him. It's like a guy that looks like a really, really poor approximation of like it almost looks like they took some stunt guy and tried to put some like weird prosthetics and like goofy hair on him to make him look more like Arnold. But like, you know, particularly again on that 4k TV, Ooh, I was seeing the seams with that. (laughs) It wasn't even close to him. (laughs) You know, what's funny though. He rehearsing for this movie would, I remember listening to a documentary that twirling of the shotgun. Yeah. He would practice that all day, every day for weeks to get that right. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Fluidly. I, I don't know a lot about guns and weapons, but that's another one of those like movie guns where it seems like a shotgun like that would not have nearly as many shells or whatever no. that it could keep reloading in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody can inform us differently. That thing probably carries about three rounds, but he, <laughs> but, but, but he seems to have like infinite bullets in that thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, our basically our our truck um, comes crashing to a halt with a massive Michael Bay style explosion <laughs> that like doesn't at all make sense for the for the the truck that it is. Just like you know, three four times the size of the truck, this huge fireball yeah. comes out of it, and we we get the first time really seeing like that liquid metal swap where he like walks out of the fire as the pure liquid metal, and then. Mm-hmm re sort of reconstitutes back to the Robert Patrick. And it's funny. There's several times that that happens throughout the movie. And this one's one of the ones where it looks really damn good. Yeah. Um, there's I'm at that moment right now. Um, in the near future here that doesn't look quite as good. So it's funny how it kind of jumps back and forth. So um, he's talking Arnold with um, John Connor and he mentions that he's a Cyberdyne model T101. <laughs> so I was really excited because I was like, I'm right. But I had to go look this up because I was like, there's got to be some middle ground between what you and I were saying. So here's the breakdown. The T800 is mm-hmm. the endoskeleton or the exoskeleton, whatever you want to call it, the metal portion of him. Okay. T101 is specifically the outer skin that is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. So there's different, like, like the 102 shows up in, like, I think the third movie or things like that. So the, the, those 10 blanks is, like, the face of who these people are. Right. Where the 800 is, like, that essentially metal exoskeleton. So we're both right, happily. <laughs> it's interesting how we remember the two things differently. But um, So they, they also actually in, I think it's in uh, the... Christian Bale one, they explain that there's multiple of this Terminator, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one with his skin, and it was a person that they kind of like duplicated their skin. And that's why there's all these different people. They're just, they're like the 
copied skin of real human beings. Yeah, I mean, point. like, there's they go into it in some of the other canon, but they're meant to be, like, infiltration sort of things. Yeah. Like, it's very Battlestar Galactica. They're trying to, like, get into the, you know, human groups in order to, like, take them apart from the inside. So, right. kind of a kind of a cool thing. Um, so, one thing I thought was interesting is that John sort of knew about the Terminator on site. Um, you know, like, back in the mall, he sees him come around the corner and he like kind of instantly freaks out. And even though like this cop is chasing him, it's, it's the sight of Arnold that really like puts him to fear. And of course he like pulls a shotgun out a moment later. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. Cause I thought then that that must kind of infer that Sarah had sort of given a lot of information about the Terminator to him. So he might almost recognize him. I would assume so. I mean, you guys have to figure like she did teach him, or at least he says that she taught him how to do that, you know, ATM hack. So I would think that she taught him a little bit of something before she got hauled away into, you know, the nut house and locked up. Yeah, I was gonna mention it in a minute, but yeah, they do sort of talk about that like Sarah has basically been like almost creating a self-fulfilling prophecy by sort of like he doesn't have a father figure because Kyle Reese isn't on the scene anymore, but yeah. he's basically had these proxy fathers who are like these like military people or different things like that, like essentially trying to like teach him to be right. who he ultimately has to become. So kind of interesting, self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they, I, I missed the whole thing when they say it in the movie, but I caught a chunk of it that we had sort of talked about it um, in the last episode that um, the T-1000 is a something, something poly alloy liquid metal. So I thought I'd just make a little note of that, even though my <laughs> note is quasi incomplete, but they had like a kind of interesting, um, you know, futuristic name for it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, I cracked up, you know, he wants to make a call. He like punches the phone and like just obliterates the phone for the quarters. And this is one of the things that like, again, like I wanted to like save till I was talking about this to mention later in the movie that John doesn't really need to like hack that thing where they've got the keys. Cause couldn't he just like punch a hole through the metal and take the keys out? Like he does here. I would assume so. Right. You, you think. <laughs> Which kind of just rendered that whole thing with the hacking thing redundant for me, but I don't know. I guess they need to like show that John is like good at technology too, or something. Um, I don't know what I wrote here. Good truck with Maxwell. I'm just gonna skip that. No, so basically, <laughs> I'm watching it right now. So essentially, they're on the phone with uh, John's step parent. Trick. It's supposed to say trick. <laughs> and they say, you know, the dog's name is Wolfie, and the dog's real name is Max. And then, and then uh, Schwarzenegger says, your parents are dead. Yeah, which again, like, you know, we see this scene and like, this was another one that was so brutal um, for me when I was a kid, where like the T-1000 has this proclivity for sort of like pointing his finger and creating these like long, terrible, sharp, you know, things. Yeah. And he's always going for the face. You know, he, he like puts it like right through the guy's like mouth while he's like drinking milk and you get like the milk and the blood mixed yeah. on the floor like. Ugh, gritty. <laughs> Supposedly, I was reading something that there's like an extended cut of the movie where he actually even kills the poor dog too. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, just just awful. Yeah, it's oh man, I'm, I'm right at that moment right now. It's brutal. Yeah, it's gross. So this is one of the ones where I was thinking that the graphics got a little hinky. Is that we see the T1000 as John's foster mother turn yeah. back to the metal version and then back to the Robert Patrick. Um, look, and this one didn't hold up as well for me. Yeah, it, it looked a little blue screened. It looked a yeah. little 
eh. you know, so yeah. it's interesting. And again, I don't know if this stuff comes down to time crunch or just not quite there with the technology, but there's so many spots in this movie that are so flawlessly well done that it's weird when you get these ones that kind of have very apparent seams yeah. sort of at the side of them. So just interesting. Um, Back to Sarah, the police are now investigating her, um, sort of, they've seen the T-100, 101, 800 pop up somewhere, and they've recognized him as being, like, this, you know, person that had killed all these police back in 84, so they're trying to get some more information out of her. She's pretty clammed up. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, we cut back again to John and the T-800, and he's decided we need to go bust my mother out of this thing. And we, we get this sort of first interaction where we find out that John really has control of the, the T 800. He has to kind of do what he says, but um, you know, he gets into it with these two guys and it's like, this isn't helpful for our mission. He picks up the guy by this hair though. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's got to hurt so bad. Yeah, you, so know, bad. Like, <laughs> you know, tosses him out of the way. And, and we get this initial thing where we realize, and I thought it was kind of cool character building for the character of John Connor, that he doesn't want to really see people hurt or killed because the Terminator's inclination is just like, I'm going to blow this guy away. You know, like he, he doesn't care. Right. But John's like, no, you can't hurt these people, you know, and it, it starts really setting up this whole thing where through the rest of the movie, he's teaching the machine to be more human and the machine becomes like the father figure yeah. that, that he never had. So it's a really cool kind of um, dynamic. And it's, it's funny um, thinking back to like, you know, we were talking about last time, like the inclusion of the John Connor character, like, why is he here? And it's like, obviously like, you know, to bring in some younger viewers and things like that. But like, it's like, man, John Connor's cool because he has his own pet Terminator. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's a really cool, um, funny thing, like to be thinking of back then. You would have like been like, oh, I'm so jealous of him that he's got this like guy that'll come around and do whatever he wants him to do. You know, it's like you get into a fight with some kids in the play yard. It's like, my dad will sue your dad, you know, sort of thing. It's like, well, I'll just have my Terminator come along with me. <laughs> and, and you know what's funny about this like so you know people you know maybe one way or the other about Arnold Schwarzenegger's acting you know he's he's basically Arnold in every movie but the way he does the Terminator and he's so still in certain moments and just the way his body language is it's very good acting like just watching it I'm just like wow and and you see like when he's talking to John Connor you can you can almost imagine that this person playing this role is a machine learning from the kid. It's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one other note I have here, because we keep kind of really starting to cut back and forth now between everybody converging on each other, is the T-1000 theme. Oh, my God. It's so creepy. That is like, very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's almost got like a like a Jason Voorhees like like kind of like repeating sort of yeah. thing that's just like, oh, you know, like when he's coming for you, it's just like this inescapable machine of death. So just a really cool um, theme that I, I love that they have that. Um, meanwhile, we have this creepy orderly who's locked um, Sarah up in her bed um, and he's, you know, unnecessarily creepy, like licks the side of her face. Yeah. You know, sort of thing. And it's like we keep getting that in these movies like 
man, the 1990s just thinks of all people at these psych centers are just terrible people. And we haven't um, even gotten that to uh, Happy Gilmore yet. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's different, but yeah, yeah, I, I like I like that character. You're in my world now, Sarah Connor. Um, <laughs> So uh, she's breaking out now. She had stolen a paperclip during the police investigation scene. And she um, is just like a one-man army. She, she's got a lot of really cool... I mean, she must have apparently been doing a lot of training in the interim, too, with these kind of guerrilla fighters and things like that. Yeah. She's really picked up quite a lot of skills herself. Um, and in the meantime, the T-1000 has shown up. He's looking for her as well. Um, and the people at the desk sort of mistake him as being another cop and he hides by becoming part of the floor. And this was another one where like, it just looks incredible. Like this is something that completely still holds up today. He like starts to like meld back from like the checkered floor. Um, it was just so awesome looking and it's just, it, it just proves how cool a character and what they could do with this at this point, um, was so awesome. Um, and it's one of those things where when they did this the first time, it's so original, so amazing, kind of similar to like the way they do Jaws in the first Jaws movie and all the, you know, ancillary movies after it just feel like they're copying off of this style or this character or this this theme. And it doesn't it's not as original and amazing as the first time you see it, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, back with John and the T-800-101. I hate that I don't have a definitive thing to call him. <laughs> um, he makes him swear not to kill anyone, which is hilarious because he immediately like shoots the guy in the legs instead, like the security <laughs> guard at the gate. He'll live, he goes. <laughs> so um, it's like, all right, he's kind of does that. Then throughout the rest of the movie, he sort of like takes out all these people with like zero casualties, which, um, you know, I thought it was a really kind of unique and cool thing. You know, you have so many movies like Rambo and all this stuff where there's a high Rambo violence pop. level. Exactly. Yeah. High violence level, but there's a lot of people that just get killed. What's interesting about this movie is that overall, not that many people die. There's like a lot of injuries and, and like a lot of brutal like fights and things like that. But it's a really interesting take on the fact that like he doesn't want him to kill anybody. So therefore, you know, he starts really avoiding like casualties where possible so i thought that was interesting because you remember these movies as being very visceral and hyper violent but at the same respect like the overall body count of this movie is extremely low yeah even in comparison to the first one which has much more death in it (laughs) yeah i mean essentially the t-1000 is the only one that's really taking lives in this film you know yeah um so it's just kind of interesting um so uh you know we I'm kind of jumping through some of the scenes here, but, um, you know, Sarah Connor's running um, and we get to this really amazing moment, which is another one that's so ingrained in my memory of this movie, which is that she gets to this elevator. She's escaped all the, the people at the psych center. She's about to get away and the door opens and in slow motion, here he comes Schwarzenegger out of the elevator and she just like falls to the floor and like, all of her training, everything that's badass about her just flies out the window. Yeah. And it's just this moment of like, oh my God, pure terror. Like he's going to kill us all. He's going to kill. And it's like, it's just like, again, I have to give her such props for the acting in this moment because it's just like 
terror, the likes of which you don't really see yeah. in film genuinely this well. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, just this absolute moment of panic. So really, again, props to her. It's just so cool. Um, and you get that great line, come with me if you want to live. You know? yeah. And like, she like goes with him and John. Um, and the T-1000 melds through the bars. And that's another one where it's incredible. It's so good looking. And again, I'm going to just keep giving these guys props. Make a point to go check it out. Um, the people over at Corridor Crew did a video recently where they tried to recreate this effect. And these are guys that are very good at, at visual effects. And they got like so-so halfway there. They did like several different like recreating effects from this movie. And, and they did an okay job with this. But even with modern technology, they really didn't hit the mark in my mind as well as this did in the 90s. You know, yeah. it's like all goes back to what we were talking about with the stuff with like the abyss and how they were trying to play with those face morphs and things like that. But just that coming through and then like his gun gets stuck in the bars yeah. and things like that. It's just a cool moment. Um, and again, just like it's like something that might have stopped the T-800 just isn't here, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's I have a note in here that I really miss the look of 90s cop cars. <laughs> oh, the 90s <laughs> you know, cop like, cars. Are just you so know, good. you get that in like the diehards. You get that in all these <laughs> sort of movies. But like that sort of like boxy look that they had at that point. Like I, I really like, not that there's any reason to bring it back, but like I wish some movies or something would bring it back because I genuinely miss that like old, I guess, what is that? Like a Ford it's, it's, Crown it's, Royale, whatever yeah, that thing is. Like a Crown Vic, yeah. Yeah, like, Crown Victoria, yeah. This <laughs> is like I miss those. They look so good. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, so they start to get away in a car, and the T one thousand runs as he does, and like puts his hooks into the back of the car, and they come smashing through this gate, and it's clearly a dummy being dragged by <laughs> by the thing, and it looked really bad, and I was just like. Uh, you know, it's like super stiff, like, and again, you could maybe make a argument that like a thing that's made out of metal would be stiff, but like, it's as stiff as a board. It's just like sticking straight off the car at a 90 degree angle as it's driving. There's no like flex or sway to it. it just didn't look good. Um, so I just thought that was pretty funny. Um, and they have this big, you know, knockdown drag out fight on this highway again. Um, and they ultimately are able to get rid of him. Um, and he walks up like they have this chunk of metal that gets left behind in the car and they throw it right. And John throws it off the back of the car and he like walks up to it and it sort of like reconstitutes with his foot. Really cool moment. I thought yeah. that was pretty neat as well. You know, um, they are driving in the car at this point and sort of talking, um, to each other. And I had a, a, just a thing that kind of cracked me up, which is that, you know, they do in a lot of driving scenes and they do this to date that um, instead of having people literally in a car driving around, they'll stick them on a green screen or in this case, what I think was a rear projection. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and they used to do this, especially like way back in time. But this rear projection just does not look good <laughs> you know, behind <laughs> them in the car. Um, and it's just like, eh, you know, sort of thing. So it's just, again, the funny like kind of mesh of technology changing over at this time. And even some days today, you'll watch in like, you know, Big Bang Theory comes to mind and things like that. Oh, Not that that's please. on the air anymore, but like if you if you watch a lot of modern sitcoms when they're in a driving scene, it's usually shot on a green screen and it usually just looks terrible. It just doesn't yeah. look right. Um, so it just caught my eye there. Um, and 
there's sort of a scene where Sarah and John are, are going back and forth at each other and John kind of starts crying. And the Terminator has this moment where he's like, what's wrong with your eyes? Um, and this becomes kind of another thing throughout the movie, like where, um, you know, he's trying to understand humans on several different levels. But like one of the things that I thought was kind of unique or poignant is that he's trying to understand the concept of crying. That's something that he just doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of brings it back up at the end of the movie. So again, like nice little um, lead in into that here. Um so he's talking a little bit about that he's got this neural net processor and he says the more that he's around humans, the more that he learns, which is, you know, um, correct to what a neural net sort of is and the concept of AI. A learning um, computer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kid, I'm a computer. Stop over downloading. <laughs> um but, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting because it basically sort of then, you know, when they talk about it, that John Connor in the future had like, you know, essentially it seems like captured him, reprogrammed him. But he's basically like a baby, like he doesn't really know much yet. He hasn't really, you know, picked up a lot about humans, which is interesting when it goes to that whole concept of like that there's supposed to be these infiltrator units that he needs to like be around people to learn about people to get better about yeah, infiltrating. You know what I mean. So, kind which of a is, weird thing. Which is why it was interesting in the Dark Fate movie, which is another version of this same Arnold. You know, he stayed on Earth in this time for so many years, for you know, twenty eight so on years that he gained a conscience, grew, got a family, evolved, and so on and so forth, and even grew old. And I loved that idea about that movie is the sense that like this Terminator was here for 25 years and got old and changed. The rest of the movie has its flaws, but that was a pretty good part. Yes. So in the 90s greatness of things, as we're talking about stuff in our little time machine here, that Ford wood paneled station wagon. Oh, that brought back memory. Yeah. <laughs> you knew at least somebody. And if sometimes you might've been you yourself back in the nineties that had one of these like wood paneled station wagons. And it was just, I, I was so happy that that's the ride that they had at that particular point in the movie. My, my aunt had one and it was the ones that had the reverse third row seat where you're looking out the back as you're sitting back there. You, you yes. know those? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. They were the best. My cousin and I used to sit back there all the time and just yeah, basically. Yeah, buddy and me, I remember very fondly, we went to like a laser tag thing and like we rode in the back of that, like facing out on the way back home <laughs> on yeah. the Sunrise Highway. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you'd remember this laser tag place because it was probably not someplace that you'd go, but it was like somewhere along 27 there. <laughs> Probably a little Long Island diversion there. (laughs) It happens. It happens. When you're around me, there's always Long Island conversations that happen. (laughs) It's just the case. So uh, the Terminator is learning some slang from John at this point. And it was cracking me up because I felt like nobody in the 90s actually talked that way until movies like this came along and put things like hasta la vista, baby, into the lexicon, you know? Like, I just don't think people were honestly, like, talking quite like this kid was. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody was. I don't know. It it it, it became a, a thing because of that. This movie, yeah. I feel like. Um, there's a scene where they're at a gas station, um, and John is sort of watching. And I'm trying to remember. I think it was two little kids are fighting each other with, like, 
guns or something like toy yeah. guns like that, which seemed very real looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's watching it. And it was an interesting, again, another poignant look into John as a character that like, even though he's like this rebellious kind of jerk teenager, he kind of has this like interesting conscience about him yeah. that you can sort of see who he's going to become. Um, and he, he's sort of talking with the Terminator about it. And he sort of says like, there's no hope for us, whatever. And the Terminator says like, kind of this other kind of cool line where he's like, it's in your nature to destroy yourselves. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was kind of a cool moment. You know what I mean? Where it's like the whole sort of thing about, you know, we've, we've been bashed over the head with this in in other movies like iRobot and things like that. This concept that like AI comes to life, looks at humanity and goes, they're just destroying each other that, you know, I just need to finish that and wipe them out. Um, That, you know, in that respect, you know, Cyberdyne, Skynet, the Terminators are again following this sort of like benevolent, like people are a plague and the way to like fix the planet is to get rid of them sort of thing. It's, It's one of those things where like, you know, they even do this in Tron Legacy to a certain extent where it's like they create the AI to try to make the perfect utopia and all the AIs realize that the perfect utopia is without human beings because we're the problem. Yeah. And matrix. I mean, there's so many movies that, that have this um, concept that it's sadly becoming old hat at this point, but, um, but it's just, again, I just thought that was kind of a neat um, plot beat. Um, So the Terminator goes into depth here, explaining how um, Skynet comes about, which um, sort of sets up, where the movie needs to go from here on out, because he kind of gives this historical lesson and it comes back to the fact that Miles Dyson um, and, you know, they, they have this chip, which is derivative of the Terminator, which is interesting, kind of self, again, self-fulfilling prophecy that this technology comes back from the future, which sets up Skynet to happen. Um, so they decide that they need to go and, and destroy um, this chip and stuff and, and prevent um you know, uh, judgment day from ever happening. Yeah. So they go to meet this guy Enrique, um, who um, it basically seems to be somewhat of a guerrilla fighter. Um, did you catch, cause it seems like it, that they crossed over to Mexico to find this guy, or do you think he's in the U S I mean, it was a little hard to tell. I think they probably were very close to the border, like very, very close to the border. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, felt like it was supposed to be Mexico, but I think it's like very close because in the end of the first Terminator, she goes to Mexico. Like she flees yeah, the and US. Yeah, she's fluently speaking Spanish to this guy and she's known him clearly for a while. He seems like he's like maybe a gun runner or something yeah. like that. I mean, obviously by the stash of stuff he's got hidden in the ground at his place there, you know. He's some sort of smuggler or, you know, you know, refugee type of guy and, you know, I, they may be in Mexico. I, I think they probably are, if you had to guess, but it's not yeah. very, very close to the border. So they had a couple of funny little you know, moments here. They introduce him as Uncle Bob, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny, and he sort of questions it himself, and they've got this like cute little kid that's running around. He like, rips him and picks him up by the suspender, and he's just, like studying him, so he's kind of got his little humanity moments going on, but yeah. um, just kind of like a fun, like kind of montage sort of section of the movie. Um, they open up that huge underground weapon stash and um, he gets this little smile when he picks up that enormous chain gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this like creepy little Terminator smile is pretty funny. Um, 
And, uh, you know, they're talking about um, a little bit more again about his uh, John's dad, like Sarah goes into another monologue and she's mentioning Kyle Reese, not necessarily by name, but she's talking about about him and how she realizes in this moment that like the Terminator has now sort of become his like father figure yeah, um, sort of thing. So it's kind of just interesting. Um, and again, they're talking, he, he asks again, like, why do people cry? And the Terminator seems really fascinated with this. Um, so it's, again, just kind of like an interesting thing that the machine kind of latches onto this one concept of, of humanity. Um, so uh, Sarah has another Judgment Day dream. And this was something that actually I thought happened earlier in the movie. Yeah, this one I thought was the earlier of the two. I didn't remember the first one, but this was the one that she had earlier in the movie. Yeah, and um, it's super freaky. Um, you know, she's outside of a playground banging on this chain link fence, trying to warn essentially like a, like a younger or different version of herself. Who's like, got like a, like a younger John with her. Um, and then obviously like the nuclear explosion goes off and it's funny because this scared me really bad as a kid. Like I remember having nightmares, um, about this particular scene when I had seen it. Um, but the funny part, and this is definitely a section where there's miniatures being <laughs> exploded <laughs> here. So it happens sooner or later. Um, but the initial nuke explosion graphic was bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like as I was watching it, it was like really flat in 2d and it actually reminded me of like the initial like Terminator, um, teleportation thing I was talking about earlier, where it's just like this, like flat awful looking graphic it didn't have any kind of like it just felt like it wasn't really part of the scene it just looked like something that was like laid down over the skyline of the city mm -hmm. and didn't really blend well yeah um but then it goes into several really cool shots um particularly where um the skin gets like shredded off the skeleton oh it's gross it's so gross yeah I, i'd be so curious how they did that and i'm sure it's probably all practical but it just looks so darn good um and and just that is something again that was such a sticking point and really just was in my head as a kid you know so um really really freaky what's funny about this movie is that they 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 play it up as being like nukes that that cause all this but in later movies granted they're been retconned or whatever it's just like cyberdyne like takes over and just fires all the rockets on earth to all over the place yeah, the way that they mention it in this, and I, I can't remember if, as you say, they do change it differently in the other one, is that like Cyberdyne, you know, sets up for the, this like thing that's going to take over all of like the uh, war decisions for people. It becomes self-aware like a day or two later. Yeah. And then as it becomes self-aware, they try and shut it down. And when they can't shut it down, it's like becomes fully autonomous. They go to like attack it. And the way it essentially decides to protect itself is it fires nukes at Russia, knowing that Russia's counterattack will wipe out the enemies that are coming to yeah. attack it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember if it's as you say that, like in the in the future movies, if like it just like got a hold of everything in the world and starts, you know, firing stuff off or something like that. So funny thing, right? When she wakes up from this dream, this is just I'm just saw it just now. Right. And I'm remembering it. She carved into the table that she's sleep, sleeping on, no fate. And it's weird they call the later movie Dark Fate. I wonder if that was a callback on purpose. That is interesting, yeah. Um, 
If you know that fact, please let us know in the yes. comments. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, skipping a little bit ahead here, um, Sarah, as she's done scratching that, decides that she's going to take off and sort of single-handedly, guerrilla-style, take out Miles Dyson and assassinate him. Um, and it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I, the little hat she's wearing kind of cracks me up in this scene, but... She gets this like full commando outfit and this like sniper rifle and like this like, you know, rapid fire assault gun. And she's like goes to show up and like you see Miles at this like what I remember as a young kid thinking was like the coolest, most futuristic looking yeah. house. house, you know, which like now watching it, I'm like, it's it's not necessarily futuristic, but it is very <laughs> modern aesthetics yeah. at least. Um, but it's a cool house. Um, he's doing well for himself at Cyberdyne. <laughs> yeah. And his kid is driving around what I would have probably killed to have as a toy car as a kid. That was a really cool toy truck. And he like <laughs> jumps it off the steps and everything. And he like runs it into his dad's leg just as like the laser dot is showing up on him. And it saves Miles' life um, because he ducks down or like when the car smashes into him. And uh, she's shooting like crazy and like they're all hiding. And she goes like, you know, busting into the place ultimately can't go through with killing miles in front of his family. Um, which I thought was interesting. Cause like she was definitely about to do a murder on him a second. Before. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, but this is where we get what you were mentioning last time where John goes like, show him and throws like the Terminator a knife and the Terminator cuts off his arm. And the funny part is like the skin prosthetic didn't look very good in this scene, but the, the hand. hand like flexing and everything that looked, awesome like yeah. that was really cool they did a really good job with that um i'd love to have like in a display case like the arm you know sort of thing um you've already got the head so you're very very close yeah, the head's tiny i want the full-sized one <laughs> <laughs> the half scale's cool but like i, I want to get like the full scale that'd be pretty neat um <laughs> i gotta put that on a case when i when i finish decorating my room here <laughs> yes put that I on your wish list those detolfs <laughs> yes um, so they're planning now to go to Cyberdyne and destroy everything. They realize that they have to destroy the arm and the chip and just the whole place because there's all these computers that have like backup and everything on it. And Miles Dyson, in fairness, is like all in on this plan. I mean, like it's mm -hmm. he kind of has like a pretty good reaction to finding out that like what, you know, I mean, like he's not like questioning it at all once he sees that Terminator arm, but like he's like. He just found out that he's like single-handedly responsible for like three billion people dying, and he yeah. kind of takes it like a champ and is like, "All right, I gotta fix this." Yeah, this um, is my bad, but yeah. he takes he takes it very well, as opposed to some other you know like billionaire you know genius tech people who may have been little less less receptive to this sort of a thing, you know? Yes. No, he decides he has to make it right, so he goes off with them to go help um, destroy his life's work. Um, so they get to the lab. There's a security guard they kind of run into and deal with. Silent alarm ultimately gets set off, which is going to bring in, you know, like every cop in LA. <laughs> they even have like a line where it's like, how many cops are out there? And it's like, I think all of them, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and John is going to use his little hacking setup to get into the security box to get the keys. Again, I'm not sure why the. T-800 doesn't just, like, bust open the box and get the yeah. key out. Um, the, the alarm has already gone off. They don't need to be precious about anything at this point. Yeah, seriously. Um, 
you know, he, he um, like blows open the door with a grenade launcher and they're getting in there and like, you know, starting to set up a bunch of barrels of explosives, which like, man, aren't they lucky? They have all these like explosive barrels just on hand, you know, it's readily available. <laughs> Meanwhile, outside huge police spots showing up um, just insane. Um, and uh, <laughs> he has this sort of thing where like they all sort of split up and they're each going to kind of do different jobs. And he's like, I'll deal with the police. And he goes and like busts open this window and he's got his giant minigun and his grenade launcher. Um, and he's like, trust me. You know, he's got another one is like, you know, kind of unforgettable lines. Yeah. But uh, because because John's like, you can't kill anyone. Trust me, you know. Um, but the funny part is like, I don't 100 percent understand why this scene exists, because you know, he unleashes hell. He's, he's firing the chain gun and he's destroying cop car after cop car. He starts grenade launching, blowing them up. And the cops in fairness do like retreat back and they like hide on a hill, but then they start like, just like every cop is like, bang, 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 all just shooting like towards him and everything like that. But it didn't get rid of the cops. They're all still there. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, like he didn't really deal with the cops per se. I, I get the impression that basically it just like, bought them a little extra time to set up is sort of what they meant to say here. Like yeah. buy us some time, you know, yeah. sort of it doesn't thing. scare the cops off. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, miles, uh, anyway, the cops end up busting in afterwards and miles gets shot multiple times while they're all attempting to leave. Um, and he's got like the, what I thought was like a mobile detonator in his hand, but he ends up basically like holding it over like this like dead man switch where if he drops it, it's going to blow the place up. Yeah. So like the SWAT team sort of gets out, you know, they're like trying to like really shoot at Sarah and she gets stuck and like the Terminator comes like bashing through the wall to, to grab her and escape. And meanwhile, Miles is just about to die and he says to the guy, like, I don't know how much longer I can hold this. And they all go running out of the place and he dies and the thing comes down and the entire building just explodes. Big time. Big like, like, I think the guy in the helicopter, they're like, what the hell's going on over there? And he's like, I don't know. It's like World War Three or something. You know, he says <laughs> something like that. Um, and this is like, you know, they're they're coming down in like an, uh, like an elevator and they get to the bottom floor and it's just like full of cops and they're cornered and they have like no way out. And so this is where we get that like that like great line. I'll be back, you know. Stay. Actually, I mean, there's a part. It's like you know, you talk about like forgetting a hundred percent like what a like a quote is. You know, like one of the famous ones is like in Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, where it's like, "No, Luke, I'm your father," and that's not really at all what he says, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. So like, it's kind of the same thing here. He's like, "Stay here, I'll be back," you know. So there's kind of like a little extra button on it that I think people tend to forget. Um, and he, cause they gas them. So he, like, he goes out and he, um, again, takes out all these officers, you know, shooting them in the legs. And it's like, um, you know, he gets like the grenade launcher and he's like, like fires it into the guy's back and everything like, yeah. you know, like just brutal, but like, um, he gets outside and, um, you know, like clears the whole way. And he does like this scan and it shows like zero fatalities. And I was like, that's like a cool kind of. Mm-hmm. again moment because he, he managed to do it without you know hurting anybody too seriously um meanwhile the t-1000 has shown up on the scene and he he like um has i don't remember how he got up in the building but he has like his motorcycle up in like the second floor and he like goes like flying out the window like meanwhile you know they get in like a police van and they're driving away 
and he goes flying out the window and like lands on the helicopter. Another really cool stunt shot. Um, and again, get out, you know, and the guy like chooses to like jump out of the helicopter, you know, mm-hmm. rather than I guess whatever he's going to get with the one there. And this was again, just for its time for all time, Another super unique chase scene. Yeah. Um, they're in like that police SWAT van driving down the highway. Lots of highway chases in this movie. A lot. Um, but they're they're following this helicopter. And holy hell, whoever was flying this helicopter gets like the stuntman of the year award because they are legitimately flying this helicopter like five, ten feet off the ground in several yeah. scenes in this, in several shots. You can tell that it's not like some fakery where this is happening. Like they're legitimately flying this thing super low um, and they're firing back and forth from each other and things like that. Really, really cool. Um, Sarah gets shot. Um, so, um, you know, the Terminator basically decides he needs to take over and like jumps and helps, you know, crash the helicopter. The truck crashes. Um, and then he gets a hold of like this liquid nitrogen truck and he's, um, this, the, the, the bunch of them getting like this little like garden truck, <laughs> which can only go like 60 miles an hour. So of course the liquid nitrogen truck catches up to them. Um, the funny part was like the Terminator fires like a grenade out of the back of it, right into like the grill of the liquid nitrogen truck into the thing still is coming. And I'm like. I don't know how realistic that is. Like, I'm pretty sure if a grenade hits the front of your truck, like that's the end of your entire truck, you know, sort of thing. But it's still barreling through, which I was like, man, you know, there's a bunch of movies like this. I feel like in the 90s with like Mack trucks, like just being like these just like indestructible beasts on a road. And like (laughs) they're all Optimus Prime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, just knock down, drag out, chase down this highway and they end up at the steel mill and, um, he, you know, the Terminator jumps up on like the truck and he's just like machine gunning him at like close range through the glass window. Totally brutal. Um, really awesome. You know, like you get these really cool shining moments with the Terminator where like, he just does these really cool, like, I'm just going to get up in your grill and blow you away sort of thing. So very cool. Um, the truck flips, crashes, the liquid nitrogen comes spilling out, and the T-1000 comes tromping through it and looks very confused as he gets frozen. And again, just really kind of a cool moment. He like, sh- You know, the Terminator shoots him, he shatters into like a thousand pieces all over the floor. Um, great visuals during this whole section. Gave me the, like a that you know child's education on the concept of liquid <laughs> nitrogen, which just is like the coolest thing ever. You know, yeah. later on in sixth grade, we do the thing where we like put a, like a rose in a vat of liquid nitrogen and smash it. You know, in science class, so you know, pretty cool. You had much cooler science classes than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but- I, I got to give credit my my sixth grade um, science teacher was awesome. Um, he did a lot of really fun stuff. I actually had a lot of fun during that time period. Including we had some pet crayfish that I took home and I had some pet crayfish from that, which was an interesting experience. So, yes. (laughs) So Uh speaking of the liquid nitrogen thing, uh, there's a part in this movie where there's a deleted scene that shows that the liquid nitrogen messed with the T-1000's computers. And that's why he starts sort of malfunctioning a little bit. Interesting. And I watched that actually today on a YouTube, did you know, like behind the scenes type of a thing? And they're like, yeah, 
The reason why the, the T-1000s are sort of malfunctioning is because the liquid nitrogen mixed with this computer. And this is a deleted scene that shows that. And you're like, oh, how long could that scene have been? One second of a, <laughs> of a, of a digital readout in his eyes? That's the thing. Yeah, I was reading about this extended cut. And I'd be curious like to, to dig that up at some point. But um, apparently there was quite a lot of like extra things with him like blending into things and picking up patterns and like just doing different stuff like that, that they ended up cutting from the movie. So it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, if you're going to go ahead and do all those visual effects, it's kind of a shame that you got to cut it, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is interesting. Um, and of course I'm, I'm totally remiss to mention that when the um, Terminator shoots him and shatters him into a million pieces is when you get the very famous hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. You know, so that's very, very cool. Um, very memorable moment. You know what's funny about that? Like, the hasta la vista baby moment and, like, the yippee ki moment in the first movie, they both happen not at the end of the film. Like, you would assume, like, that's the, the end badass line to say. No, it's not at the end of the movie at all. Well, I mean, in a way it is, but it's like a, it's like a fake out. You know what I mean? Because like, it's like, oh, he got frozen and they finally destroyed him. But like, oh, but then they're in a smelting factory and the next thing, all those little like, and it's cool because it's like, it's like you were saying, it's, they probably did it with like mercury yeah. Um, where like all the little bits of mercury are like flying back together and like, it's like he's, you know, coming back together again. So it was kind of like a, like the fake out, like we've, think we've got the bad guy but yes ultimately like not the end of this and um leads into another just brutal knockdown drag out fight between the t-800 and the t-1000 um you know the t-1000 um you know rips off the t-101's arm and jams him in a machine um and sarah ultimately gets cornered and the t-1000's like call john you know like and it's cool because you can kind of see like the evolution of the T-1000 that like he knows how to like manipulate people to kind of yeah. get what he wants out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, Sarah's like, no, I don't want to call John, you know, sort of thing. Um, and uh, the one-on-one um, T-800 gets, shows up again. He slashes the T-1000, like cuts him in half. Cool effect where he's like split oh, in half cute. and like wavering all over the place. Um, but he comes back together and like traps like the one one like in his hand and everything. Um, and he just gets like, like the T 1000s had it. He just like completely beats down the T 800. Um, and, uh, you know, the, at this point, like you're really starting to get, I mean, there's a different points where you've seen portions like the face, but like they are starting to really rip away lots of chunks of like Arnold's face and like the prosthetics yeah. are just awesome like where you're seeing the metal through the skin and like the glowing eye and it's just it looks so so cool the 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 visuals for the for the arnold face as his like skin gets ripped off for various things is so much better in this movie than the first one it's like it's it's night and day it's unbelievable that's all that stan winston stuff man he's he's awesome um anyway he he gets a piece of like big metal rebar slammed down through him and it says like power cell destroyed um and so we were like oh you know that might be the end of the terminator and then the funny part is i've kind of misremembered because i thought there was a little bit few more edits but actually almost immediately you you go into like his internal view which you've seen a few times throughout this movie and it says like you know alternate power source you know it it turns out he has like a backup power source yeah and it, it starts to bring him you know flickering back online um 
and we are cutting back to John, who is, you know, like running around in the factory and you hear like Sarah calling for him. And it's like, John, John, you know, and it's like, oh, like, you know, what happened? Did did she get away in the meantime while they were fighting? Is she trying to connect with him? And all of a sudden you start realizing like, oh, it's it's probably the T-1000, um, you know, you know, changed into Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that turns out to be the case. Now, here's a fun did you know that we see two Sarah Connors on screen that the second Sarah Connor is Leslie Hamilton, her twin sister. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes, wow. that's Linda Hamilton's twin sister, Leslie Hamilton. And she actually pops up a couple times in the film. Um, there's like another scene um, where they do one of these fun, like through the mirror sort of tricks, um, like where they, you know, do like an impossible camera pan through like a mirror. Mm-hmm. And while she's like working on fixing the Terminator at a point, and they used her to do that, like as a double in that scene as well. And basically there is no mirror. They're just looking through a empty mirror and, you know, like they're just mirroring themselves on the scene. Um, so that's how they ended up with two of her. It's not a green screen trick or something like that. It's actually her twin sister. So pretty cool. Wow. That is weird. Wow. That's wild. (laughs) So, um, she gets the T 1000 cornered by a smelting pit and she's just blasting at him with the shotgun. Um, and her shotgun runs out and the T 1000 has this great moment where he like wags his finger in his head. He's like doing like a no, no, no sort of thing. (laughs) Um, and he's, he's going to come and kill her and up coming on like a, conveyor belt here comes the terminator and he's got his grenade launcher and he blasts the t-1000 who falls to his death in the molten metal cool death scene he's like flailing and flailing in the metal and he's like like changing into like the different faces of things he's been and like he's got this like really freaky scream that he's doing and he's like yeah Yeah, it's it's just really like a squeal scream it's wild Yeah, yeah yeah very awesome (laughs) <laughs> and then um the T800 who at this point is now as as humanized as he's going to become is like I need a vacation <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny little little you know pull or whatever so I think he says like uh you know they're like is, is it dead and he's like yes it is terminated you know kind of has to oh that's the name of the movie you know has to put that <laughs> put that little like blip in there uh, but they realize that they have to melt the arm and the chips, so they throw those down into the vat and those melt. But in the saddest moment in an action movie ever, there's one more chip. Mm-hmm. And that rests in our now beloved hero's head. So they decide that he, have, he you know, he asked them to like lower him into the metal because he can't destroy himself, which I thought was interesting. That's like an Asimov um law of robotics sort of thing that like a like a robot like can't kill itself you know mm-hmm. sort of thing so yeah i thought that was kind of a interesting little like throwback to like the like asimov's um, laws of robotics um so they they kind of um you know get him on a chain and they start lowering him and it's got the dramatic music and he puts that thumb up as is as he's disappearing one last time you know and it's just like oh it, it just rips you apart because it's like you know just such a cool character you hate to see him go um and then the movie ends with driving and narration and it, i i wrote it down that it says terminator can learn to value can learn the value of a human life maybe we can too 
Um, and I thought that was interesting how the film goes out um, that, it, you know, again, like it forewent like a lot of human death and that John is going to try and lead them in a different direction now. So um, cool way that the, the movie ends and ultimately they make it to Mexico. And as Dark Fate revealed, John just gets blasted. So. Yeah. <laughs> Four days later. Yeah. Basically, you're like, wow. Yeah. Crazy. That, I mean. Look, I I get it. I, whatever you know, Dark Fate took some liberties on some things. I liked how they went that way. It's interesting. Um, I, I I wasn't against it. It is uh you know it cheapens the entire point of this whole movie. But overall, it's whatever. Who cares? It's a movie. That's the thing, and uh, you know, like Dark Fate, and, and we talked a little bit about it last time. Like on its own, perfectly fine movie. You know, I I think it's like the if you forget Genesis and all the others, it's a a true good spiritual successor to T2. But as you say, like if you kind of skipped all those and like got to the end of Terminator 2 and put on Dark Fate, it just kicks the legs out from under Terminator 2 because like everything they went through is just gone because, you know, here comes another Arnold version of the thing that just, you know, murders him and that's that. So, uh, you know, I understand why they made some of the choices that they did. And they've got this new leader of the rebellion in the future that they got to save and things like that. But it just really undoes the John Connor concept. And in a way, I think Dark Fate is an answer to the John Connor of Genesis or Terminator 3. Whichever one where he uh, becomes like the bad guy. So it's like John Connor, like kind of like loses his way because he becomes like half a Terminator himself, you know, like, so I I think it's their way of getting rid of that and just flushing out the John Connor concept for something new. But again, especially if you're going to accept, do they call it? Is Dark Fate considered Terminator? No, I guess there is a Terminator three. There's a T3, which has garbage uh, (laughs) is the one with Claire Danes. And it's like the T. X or the T1 yeah, yeah, million yeah, yeah. Is, is the female Terminator that can also like manipulate computers and whatever. Then there's the one with, with uh, the Mick G one with Christian Bale, which I think is like Terminator Salvation. Salvation. And then there's the next one is the one with the, the girl from Game of Thrones is Genesis, which is spelt weird. And then the Y. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because that's it's like the word system. Yeah. You get it? <laughs> yeah. And that's the one where John Connor becomes a Terminator himself yeah. as well. Because and, and the other Terminator in that movie is the guy from uh, Doctor Who. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they're trying to undo those three movies by doing Dark Fate and therefore just kill off John Connor. He seems to be the problem in all three of those movies, so <laughs> let's get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. The concept of John Connor just did not work out as T2 would have it work out. No. <laughs> did not. So that's Terminator 2. Um, absolutely withstands the test of time. You know, Ange was watching it with me and she said that several times throughout that it's like, you know, despite the few hiccups and graphics and things like that here and there, the story really holds up. I think it's the action movie for action movies for all time. It just really creates a template that all other stuff later on in the nineties can borrow from and, and just, you know, it just does everything. It does very well. I do think the story holds up really well. I, I mean, the visuals I'd say 
85% of it holds up really well. I think the best part of the movie, to be honest with you, is the dynamic between Arnold, Linda Hamilton, and uh, Edward Furlong. Like, their relationship with the movie is most of the movie in particular. And it's very, very strong. It's really well done. And honestly, like, no matter how many different Terminators they do in other movies, the T-1000 is still, to me, the scariest one. Like, that it one is. is unbelievable. It's really No, it's, it's so true. And again, it's like a perfect combination of, like, the aforementioned things, like, between the way Robert Patrick, he kind of does this thing where he, like, tilts his head down and his eyes get real dark. Um, and he's just super intense face. And, like, the that theme, which I, I don't know, I'll probably end up trying to find that theme and, like, stick it, like, for, like, the music that starts the episode, you know, something. Um, but, yeah, it, it's... He is a a villain for villains for all time. And it's funny, I was trying to think, like, isn't there a movie in, like, quasi more recent years, maybe the early 2000s, where they, like, did something with, like, the T-1000 in, like, another movie? Do you know what I'm talking about now? Like, it just popped in my head. Like, as a spoof? Yeah. Like, one of those, like, scary movie type of things? Or, like, Possibly. you know. <laughs> Movie 43 or some garbage like that. I got to look it up now because it's going to drive me crazy if I can't find it. I feel like Wayne's World 2 does some sort of... Oh, I think you're onto it. I think it I, has to do with Wayne's World. Is it... Oh, because he shows up at the window. And... Right. So anybody who's been following on the social medias, you saw that I posted the other day, the have you seen this yeah. man-child post that I did with you? And that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's in Wayne's World. I think they even have Robert Patrick show up. Yeah. And it's like, have you seen this? And he's like, whoa, <laughs> like that is 100% what I'm thinking of. That's such a great um, pull. Look at you. You're on fire. Lately. Yes, it is, it is Wayne's World 2. Yes. I'm going to actually put this in the chat. We're going to we're going to as we normally do with the trailer. We're going to watch this moment together in the mo for, for fun. Excellent. Sounds good. <laughs> Because it made me laugh, and I have to talk about it, so we're going to do it. I'm going to put it right here in the chat, send it to you, cue yours up. When we're ready, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch it together. I'll count us down. Three, two, one. <laughs> He's drunk. <laughs> I love the Wayne's World car. Yeah, so like it's like, yeah, the same motorcycle and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually really can't wait till we get. I imagine Wayne's World's got to be like a top. For those of you at home listening, so he's being chased by a guy in a, in a motorcycle, and the guy and the Terminator's walking up to him, and he, Wayne fixes his hair, and poof! All of a sudden, we see. Have you? Yeah, it is Robert Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and he like I think he starts to like go after him yeah yes. <laughs> and he follows him in the same mode of how he walks in the Terminator that's fabulous yeah <laughs> that's that's 100% what I was thinking about I'm so glad that you were able to think of that <laughs> <laughs> so good and it's so brief in the movie but it's so perfect <laughs> anyway that was Terminator 2 super fun we had a great time rewatching it talking about it and you know, our 
third Schwarzenegger movie. Can you believe it? In a year, we've had three Schwarzenegger movies. We're probably going to have some more before this is all said and done. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of 90s left to go, my friend. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. As usual, please get in touch with us on our socials. We are Box Office 30 on Facebook and Twitter and Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. Huge thank you, as usual, to the Retro Network for hosting us and for boosting our, our tweets and, and our um, shares on our social media and things like that. Again, a huge thank you to everybody for listening. And please stay tuned to um, either social media or our next episode. I'm going to give away this um, Terminator brain chip. Um, so that way you'll be responsible for Judgment Day, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so... What do we have as movies for a possibility for August of 1991? I have it. I pulled it up here. So we just did Terminator 2. So that's off the list. So the number one movie of August in 1991 is Hot Shots. Oh, yeah. Hot <laughs> Shots, baby. Number three in August of 1991 is Doc Hollywood. Michael J. Fox, this movie is fantastic. Now, the fourth movie is called The Doctor, which is that William Hurt movie. I don't think anyone's going to want to pick that movie, <laughs> but I would like to make a suggestion, and I'll let you decide, Pete, because you, you're the one who does the polls. Okay. Number five is the Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> double impact, where he plays twin brothers of himself. Oh, yes. man. I, I'll do four again. I'll throw them in there. I cannot see this poll going any other which way than Hot Shots. Yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong, but again, like throwing it up against Doc Hollywood, the Doctor, and Double Impact. Sure, those are all things, but come on, people. Charlie Sheen in Hot Shots, uh, possibly one of the greatest comedy, <laughs> like uh, farce, oh, nonsense man. movies of all time. Yeah, it is one of the best takes on a spoof on. Top Gun, uh, it's oh man. And I'll probably four up there in the poll, but honestly, if if you guys don't vote in Hot Shots, I think I'm gonna quit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny? I think Top Gun Maverick is coming out in August as well, so that might be really poignant to discuss. Uh, in in yeah, I think it is Ooh. in the context of the real thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. For my money, Topper Harley has always been better. <laughs> yes, Topper Harley rules. <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool. It's a, it's a good list of movies to talk about. Any any one of those other than The Doctor, I'd be all on board. So you know, now everyone's going to vote for The Doctor just to torture us for fun. Yes, so look for the poll. It'll be launching this Friday along with this episode. I usually post it like an hour or two after the episode goes up. Um, if I've got a, a busy day, maybe a few hours after. But um, please look forward to our poll again. Please vote. Um, I'm, I'm very excited when people vote in the poll. It makes me feel contented and self-happy. And <laughs> He feels noticed, folks. He, he, yeah. he feels like he's noticed. His voice is heard. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it for us for this time, friends. We will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, friends. of the Retro Network.